You're listening to the Bellevue Baptist Gadsden Podcast. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. Good to be with you today. And again, we say He is risen. This fact changes everything about who we are and what we are. The resurrection has a profound impact on our identity. This morning, if you will, go ahead and be turning to Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Again, that is Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. And this morning, we're going to be discussing our identity in Christ. See, for the believer, our identity is first and foremost found in Christ. That word identity is really all about who we are. And in today's world, identity can mean anything you really want it to mean. This is uh, not the biblical identity, which says that we are made in God's image and that our chief end is to glorify him. No, this is worldly, sinful stuff that says you are whatever you want to be. It doesn't matter what God thinks or how God made you. Your identity is something that you control. And friends, this is not a biblical understanding of our identity. This is why we have people identifying as something that they are not. We see, again, identity politics and identity issues all around us. We see men masquerading as women and women masquerading as men. We have people all around us identifying as something. And for believers, this rightly fires us up because we believe, again, that our identity is found in Christ. But we also have many people who attend churches who identify as believers in Christ, when in reality their true identity is that of a lost person. The famous biblical counselor David Pallison has written on the idea of identity in the Christian life, and he wrote this. He said, your true identity is who God says you are. You will never discover who you are by looking inside yourself or listening to what others say. The Lord gets the first word because he made you. He gets the daily word because you live before his face each day. He gets the last word because he will administer your final comprehensive life review in the judgment. Pallison is making it very clear that every day and in every way, the Lord is who determines our identity. He goes on to say that because of the work of Christ on the cross, he gives us a new identity. In an act of mercy, and his spirit makes it a living reality over a lifetime. Again, the point here is that our identity is wholly wrapped up in the work of Christ, and our new identity as believers is because of his grace in dying on the cross, taking our punishment, and giving us his righteousness. So what we're going to see today is that our identity is in Christ alone. Again, we call ourselves Christians, and so our identity is completely wrapped up in the God who made us, who created us specially and specifically in his image for his purposes. Our identity is wrapped up in the God who saves us. And I believe that so many people, even believers, have such a weak understanding of their identity in Christ. And friends, there is no better time than this day when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, to talk about what that means for who we are. You see, at Bellevue, our goal is to glorify God and to lead others to do the same. If you're not a regular attender here at Bellevue, you may not know that, but this is our goal. This is our commitment. 
that we want to glorify God to the best of our ability and we want to lead others to do the same from here on the mountain to the nations of this world. But a critical part of that is understanding how being a believer in a living, risen Savior changes how we see ourselves. So we're going to look at identity through a famous moment in Scripture that is rooted in the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And Paul, as we'll see today, argues for a complete understanding of our identity as believers in the risen Christ. Here we will see Paul rebuking Peter, opposing him to his face. Because even Peter was wrong about the identity believers have in Christ. So let's see what happened and examine this passage together and see what this means for our identity. Again, this is Galatians 2, 15 through 21. I'm reading from the ESV, but you follow along in your translation or on the screen. It says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, again we come before you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to gather together, Lord, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the ability to gather together and sing praises to your great name. Lord, we thank you for the ability to give towards your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to confess truths and to call out to you in prayer. But Lord, now as we look into your word, Father, we pray that you would truly build us up. You would strengthen us. You would convict us. You would challenge us. You would equip us for the task that you have ahead of us. Lord, mold us into the people who you want us to be, that we might glorify you best. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we approach this text, normally we uh, are preaching through books, verse by verse, and and that is the the normal way that we go through the scriptures here at Bellevue. And so today, um, we do need to lay a little bit of foundation in order to understand where we're coming from. Here in Galatians 2, we are caught in the midst of an identity crisis in the church. There's a division over identity. There are those who are what we'd call Judaizers, right? These who say you have to follow the Jewish customs in order to be saved. And then there were also those who were Gentile believers and then believers in God's grace and the true gospel, which says, no, it is really only justification by faith, right? We're saved by faith in Jesus. And so there's this identity crisis, Are we going to force people to be Jews, or are we going to have them believe in the gospel? And so there's division. And in the midst of this is a very famous disciple. Peter is involved in this, and what we find is that in the midst of Galatians chapter 2, Paul is teaching the Galatians on a similar issue. They're having the same problems. Judaizers and the gospel at odds. 
And so Paul tells a story. He says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself. You see, Peter was fine being with the Gentiles at certain points. But when the Jews came around, he says, no, you must be a Jew. And he separated himself from those who had believed in Christ because they were not circumcised Jews. And so at Antioch, Paul confronts Peter about this because he says, this is not the true gospel. Essentially, again, Peter was wrapped up in his identity as a Jew. He knew better, but when the Gentile believers were around, he'd not associate with them out of fear of the Jews. They were hypocritical, and even Barnabas had fallen in with them. Paul's own friend. And I love Paul's attitude here in Galatians 2 verse 14, the the verse immediately preceding our passage today. He says, But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, this is Peter, Before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Paul says, this identity thing where you think all the Gentiles need to be Jews in order to be truly saved, you are wrapping your identity all up in being a Jew and not in being a believer in Jesus Christ. How can you force these Gentiles to live like Jews in order to be saved? Especially when you walk around acting like a Gentile. You see, the identity was not where it needed to be. The identity was in the culture and not in the crucified, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And woe to us if our identity is in anything other than Christ. Now just as a matter of clarification here, you can imagine this would be hard to swallow if you are Peter, right? But the Bible reveals that Peter ultimately accepts the correction. Second Peter, written long after this encounter, shows that Peter regards Paul in the highest possible way. Second Peter 3, 15-16 says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So what's happening here is that Peter, in this passage in 2 Peter, writes of Paul, and he says Paul is a beloved brother and his writings are scripture. Both Peter's own attitude toward Paul Scripture and church history tells us that Peter accepted Paul's correction. And so ultimately we see clearly from the Bible that Paul was right. And the reason that Paul includes this story here in the letter to Galatians is again that they were dealing with essentially the same thing. And Paul here is telling the Galatians the gospel is it. The gospel of Jesus is to be your identity. You don't have to be a circumcised Jew to be saved. That's the wrong identity. You have to be a believer in Christ to be saved. So what does that look like? What is the identity of a believer characterized as? Paul, in his response to Peter, shows us three essential elements of the Christian identity. And I want to go through those with you today. Three essential elements of the Christian identity. The first one is that we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Again, justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And we see this here in verses 15 and 16. Paul begins his response by saying, hey, we are both Jews. Paul here speaking to Peter. 
It says, we're both Jews, and yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, and so we believe in Jesus to be justified, because no one is justified by the works of the law. Now, this is really important, especially that last part. See, Paul here is telling Peter, he says, listen, we agree on this, but you're not living it out. The Old Testament Jews were not saved on the basis of following the law. And we see this here because he says no one is justified on the basis of following the law. If they had, then Paul argues at the end there's no reason for Jesus to die. Instead, the Old Testament Jews were saved by grace through faith in the coming Messiah. Now Paul is arguing very clearly and he says, Peter, we both know this. We understand it. We are not justified by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We can't work our way there. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy it. We are only justified or made right with God by Christ dying on the cross and taking the punishment we deserved. We're made right with God by having faith in Christ, not our works. Now, this doesn't mean we do good works. I mean, this doesn't mean we don't do good works, but we don't do them to be saved. We do them because we are saved. We speak on this very frequently. There was a story that was told about an artist, uh, Paul Gustave Dor, who was traveling in Europe and he ran into a problem. As he was traveling, he reached a border crossing and discovered that he had misplaced his passport. And without his passport, of course, the officer wouldn't allow Dor to pass. And finally, Dor was given a test to prove his identity. The official gave him a piece of paper and a pencil and requested that he draw a group of nearby peasants. Nador did this with such ease that the official was convinced he was indeed the famous artist. His identity was affirmed through his work, right? They saw his work and they said, that confirms your identity. You see, many people in our world, they find their identity through their work or their accomplishments, but this is not truly identity. The artist's work proved his identity, but even if the guard hadn't believed him, he was still Paul Dore. You see, our works can give powerful evidence that we are a believer, but they cannot make us a believer. So here's the thing. As we think about this in our modern context, we can have a churched identity. We can have an an identity that's cultural, where we come to the church and we're involved in church-like things and still not be a believer. You can come and celebrate Easter and wear all the pastels and you can eat ham later and you can take your photo out in the photo booth. You can post he is risen, but it doesn't make you a believer. What justifies us before God is an all-encompassing faith in Jesus Christ by his grace. It's the faith that says not only do I believe Jesus was real and who the Bible says he was, but I will build my entire life on that. I'll place all my hope and everything I have on that confession that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place, and was raised again on the third day. You see, Peter's identity was misplaced in culture here for a moment. But the great thing about Peter is that though he messes up, he repents. And so as your identity is in culture, you are doing it wrong. Our identity is not in the culture. It's not even in church culture. It is in Christ alone. And what we see is that that identity in Christ, when we rightly understand it, we rightly understand salvation, then we can shape, it shapes our culture, right? It changes how we live and how we function. But we need to be clear that we are not saved in any other way than faith in Christ. Now this impacts our identity in a a few ways. First of all, since we are justified by faith in Christ, we need not fear judgment, 
Our sins have been paid for if we are a believer. And Christ bore every drop of God's wrath for those sins on the cross for us. So we live with the knowledge that our sin has been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. That our sin has been cast to the ocean floor. It is gone. So this doesn't mean we do whatever we want. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But it means that when we do stumble, we can have faith and confidence that we are not cast away but that our sin has been paid for. It also changes how we view ourselves. Right? I, I often hear believers uh, rightly say, I am a sinner saved by grace. Right? We've heard that before. There's nothing wrong with that. It's entirely biblical. But sometimes people will use that phrase as a cop-out or an excuse for their sinful behavior. Uh, they'll do something sinful, and then they'll say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. While that's true, the Bible reveals our identity as believers as justified, meaning that our identity is that we are made right with God. So while we are 100% sinners saved by grace, the Bible says that we are saints sanctified by a sea of righteous blood. We are saints that have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and we are saved by His grace. So we need to remember, yes, we are sinners, but we are also justified, and now we are saints who have an expectation of living in a Christ-like manner. Finally, it shows us this, that because we are made right with God, our identity is different than that of the world. Naturally, we cannot encounter Jesus and be unchanged. If we've truly believed in him, we are going to be different. And Paul addresses this next. The second essential element of uh, an identity in Christ is that we are dead to the old way. Right? We're justified by faith alone and Christ alone, and we are dead to the old way. And we see this here in verses 17 through 20. Um, just as I get, jump into this, I want to remind you here or, or point out rather, that there is a little bit of overlap in the verses we're going to look at here and the verses we'll look at in point three. Um, but again, verses 17 through 20 provide the basis here. Verses 17 and 18, we see an objection, right, that is a little hard maybe for us to understand. If in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. The objection here in verses eight, 17 and 18 is that we can do whatever we want, right? That's what the, the other side's arguing here. Well, if you're saved by faith and grace and you can just do whatever you want and Christ is okay with sin. That's what the false teachers are saying. But Paul says, God forbid, right? Certainly not. If I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Paul is saying clearly, if we rebuild a life of sin, if we rebuild a life that is built on works-based salvation and just doing the best we can, then we are not true believers. True believers are dead to sin and they are dead to the law because we are crucified with Christ. Paul said, I am dead to the law. I'm done with trying to earn it because I can never do it. I am dead to the law because works cannot justify he says, I am crucified with Christ. Now, obviously, this is not literal, right? But Paul is making clear the fact that the old man is dead. He is crucified. You see, a crucial part of our identity as believers is that the old man and the old ways of the old man is put to death. We're called by Christ to deny ourselves, And the Bible is clear that we are, again, to put to death the old self. Paul says, I'm dead to the law so that I might live with Christ. 
The law's purpose was to reveal our sin and our spiritual death, and so that's what it does. But Christ's purpose was to save and to call us to new life in him. And so we need to seriously make sure that the old ways are dead and buried. We are to be killing sin or it will be killing us. Again, when it comes to our identity, this is a big deal. When we think of who we are, we need to recognize that as believers who have been saved by Christ, we are fundamentally different and the old man is dead and gone. See, the identity issue that so many of us face is that we love the old man and the old ways. We like the old way. It was comfortable. It was fun. Sometimes we enjoyed that sin. We must put it to death. You see, I've talked about this with many of you before in personal conversations, and I believe I've mentioned it in sermons before. But the way that some people share their testimonies, it sounds like they enjoyed their old lifestyle and their old identity more than the Christian life. They glorify their past. Well, I was drinking all the time and we partied nonstop and had a ton of fun. Yeah, I slept around all I wanted. Yeah, those were some good drugs. I've had somebody tell me that in a testimony. Yeah, those were the good old days. But now I'm saved. It's like the new life in Christ was some sort of drag on their life. Like the new life is a joy kill. But here's the thing. If your old identity as a sinner does not die, you will not fully understand your identity in Christ. People who glorify this past identity, who glorify the old man, who who treat our, our sinful past like the good old days, they haven't understood what it truly means to follow Christ. And for many of you, your identity is still in who you used to be. So you you come here and you claim to be a believer in Christ. You claim to be a Christian and yet what you really are is someone who's still totally wrapped up in their old life as a sinner and not fully and wholly committed to joyfully following Christ now. Listen, Jesus did not die and bear God's wrath for you to run around and glorify your old life and hold on to it. Jesus died to give you a new life. And so it is truly out with the old and in with the new. You cannot have it both ways. We would do well to remember the warning to the lukewarm church, right? Those who will not commit, they will be spit out in the last day. Christ has redeemed his people to be fully committed to him. And so we are to put to death the ways of the past. Put to death that sin in your life. Put to death trying to be saved by earning it. Put to death that universalism that says all religions are the same and we just need to love everybody and it will all work out. Put it all to death and believe in Christ alone. And so if you're a believer in Christ, we cannot turn back. We cannot resubmit to slavery. We cannot resubmit to rebuild what Christ tore down. Because Paul tells them in chapter 5 of Galatians, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of this old identity, this old sinful lifestyle, this old idea of thinking you can earn salvation, it will ruin you. Our identity must be fully in Christ, which means the old man in the old way dies. Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But furthermore, this is not only a statement that the old in us is dead, but that the power of anything other than Christ over us is dead. And we forget about this when it comes to our identity in Christ. We forget that we now have the victory through Christ. 
Martin Luther said it this way. He says, Paul speaks of that higher crucifying wherein sin, devil, and death are crucified in Christ and in me. By my faith in Christ, I am crucified with Christ. Hence, these evils are crucified and dead unto me. Christ has won the victory by his death and resurrection. So it's not only our sin that has been defeated, but all of these things, right? Not even death can defeat us. So we must walk confident in the fact that the old is dead. We're dead to the law. We're dead to sin. We're dead to the devil. We're dead to death. Because all of those have been defeated by Christ. And I believe that if more of us understood that, and it was more part of our identity as Christians, we would walk around a lot more confident and a lot more faithful to what God has called us to. We're done with that. We live in Christ. We have a new life given to us by God's grace, and this is what Paul speaks of next. The third essential element of our identity in Christ is that we are alive in Christ. We're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. We are dead to the old way and we are alive in Christ. And we see again through verses 19 through 21. This is the beauty of Easter. Christ took the death we deserve so we can have the life eternal that he deserved. He took our sin and he imputed to us his righteousness. That's a theological word that just means that he gave us his righteousness. He not only took the punishment and put to death sin, death, and the grave, but he gave us new life. And so as we read these passages that I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? We see that he loved me and gave himself for me, is what Paul is saying here. We can recognize the depths of his love and his graciousness. Martin Luther described again this as naturally as saying, we are big sinners, deserving of death, and Christ is righteous and deserving of life. Right? We all can admit that, right? I'm a big sinner, deserving of death, Christ is righteous and deserving of life. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can boldly say, I am now one with Christ. Therefore, Christ's righteousness, victory, and life are mine. On the other hand, Luther says, Christ may say, his sins and his death are mine. And so we can, again, look at this and we recognize that Christ's righteousness, his victory, his life are ours, and our sin and our death have been taken by Christ. He took our sins and our death so that we could have his righteousness, victory, and life. John tells us we must be born again. We must have new life by God's grace. And here we clearly see that this new life comes from the work of Jesus on the cross. Not only do we have new life, but our identity, who we are now, is radically changed so that the life we live here and now in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. He says here, we live in the flesh. Right? The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We live in the flesh. We still live in our bodies. But we do not live by the flesh. And what this means is that believers in Christ who have been changed, we are not controlled by the flesh. My words are not directed by the flesh. My hearing is not directed by the flesh. My actions are not directed by the flesh. Rather, it is directed by the Spirit because we are dead to the old and we live the new life Christ has given us. It doesn't mean that sometimes, as Paul talks about in in other places, that sometimes I don't do the thing I don't want to do. 
It doesn't mean that occasionally my flesh doesn't rise up and I let it control my words. But what this means is that our life is characterized by following the Spirit, living in the fruit of the Spirit, in such a way that the life we live is not dominated and controlled by the flesh, but it's controlled by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is, again, only possible because Jesus loved me when I was yet a sinner. And in the right time, he gave himself for me and died for the ungodly. And so, friends, hear the word of the Lord. You cannot be saved by anything other than the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Place your faith in him and walk in the newness of life. We live because he lives. And Paul concludes this passage by saying, I do not nullify the grace of God. I do not despise the grace of God. To despise the grace of God here is to put your hope in anything else to save you. It is to make your identity anything other than that saved by the grace of Christ. And Paul says, I cannot do that because if righteousness were possible any other way, then Christ died for no purpose. But we know from the Bible that Christ did die, and he died specifically for that purpose of redeeming his people. So do not set aside grace. We are so often tempted to do so. We're so often tempted to rebuild that old identity of sin and works-based salvation. But guys, the law is clear. We all stand condemned. But if we place our faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me, who died in my place and was raised again by the power of God to the glory of God, we will be justified and made right with him that we can live a new life. If you keep working for it or looking for salvation elsewhere, you will never find it. Instead, build your life on the sure promise of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, then your identity is different and it is changed. My plea here today is clear. Place your faith in Christ and take up the new identity, the new life that Christ has given us and walk in it. Do not despise the grace of the Lord. We recognize that every moment the Lord tarries, every moment we have in this life is a moment of mercy and a moment of grace. Don't despise it. Don't neglect it. Don't nullify it by looking for salvation elsewhere. Trust in the Lord by faith and be saved. Friends, let us walk in that identity. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you today, and Father, we thank you so much for the work of Christ. Lord, we thank you that he loved us and gave himself for us, that we may be changed and walk in a new life. Father, we pray today that if there's someone here who is continually trying to work their way to salvation, where they're trying to earn it, they're trying to do the best they can and be a good person, that, Lord, you would convict them and show them that that is not the way to be made right with you, and, Lord, it never can be. Father, reveal to them that they must place their faith in you. Call them to yourself. And, Lord, for the believers here who have followed you, who are walking with you, help them to be reminded of their identity in you. Lord, help them to put to death the old way, the old man. Lord, help them to live the life they live in you. Lord, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Bellevue Baptist Gadsden Podcast. We would love for you to join us on campus for worship Sunday mornings at 1045. We look forward to seeing you. Have a great week.